Thank you, Father. We just thank you for that love. We just listen for your voice tonight. Thank you, Father. And Father, we just thank you that you're speaking to each and every one of us now through your spirit. And that the next three days you'll minister to us and through us through the Holy Spirit. Yes, Lord. And Father, we've already welcomed you here. Now, Father, we are yielding ourselves to your words, to your spirit. And Father, we pray that we do as you intend for us to. Yes, Lord. That is how we plan, but how you plan. So we yield ourselves right now. Yes, Lord. And Father, we thank you for each person who's here tonight. We ask that they are ministered to in the very way that they need it, yes, through Father. you and from you. And that, Father, when they leave here, they will know that they've been in the presence of the Lord. In Jesus' name, and everyone say, amen, amen. and amen. You may be seated tonight, amen, <clears throat> and amen. Part of the Holy Spirit training is just what yeah. happened. Learning to get out of the way enough for the Holy Spirit to be able to move on his own to do what he needs to do. And just in the atmosphere we just had, if you needed healing, you could have received it right then. If you needed breakthrough, you could have received it right then. That He sets a table for us. And we just have to learn how to receive and how to come in. We don't have to stand away when he's saying, come. We can just come right in. And so part of training yourself with the Holy Spirit is training yourself to be receptive to his presence. And we live in a society that, um, a church society that tries to set an atmosphere with smoke machines and lights. And there's nothing wrong with smoke machines and lights. I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm saying that when that is the only way you know how to set an atmosphere, you see, but we, we didn't have to have any of that. We just yielded. And when we yielded, he comes in and he's the smoke and he's the lights and he's the power. And again, I, I'm, I'm not dissing the smoke and the lights. That's great. But it can't replace what just happened. It's, it's just an enhancement to help people get over flesh. Well, I, I want to I say what you were saying in a way that we've interpreted it. It's this way. It's okay to have the smoke and the lights and everything to set an atmosphere because we live in a generation where we're very visible or very visual. And so we, we need, some people need visual things, but it cannot replace the actual Holy Spirit. Mm -mm. And so what we're saying is that you, you might prime the pump with that, but don't let that make you think that you've ushered in the Holy Spirit because you haven't. The Holy Spirit comes in <clears throat> when your hearts clamor for him and when, you're, when your heart desires him. And, and this is why, um, now this is our third year with you all doing this. And you know, I don't know. I think the third to do this. About the Holy Spirit. Fifth year up here. And we don't know why. We've been coming up to um, the Mount Hope uh, churches 
for 20 some odd years and we'd heard about you all so much well, from everybody down in Grand church. Blanc and in Lansing and everywhere else so we just don't know why it took you so long to invite us now I sound like Pastor Day down there but um, we've heard so many wonderful things and so when when we first invited to do this about the Holy Spirit um, first off this this is what uh, Cheryl and I have felt recently and, and I'm just going to give you the scripture and read it uh, real quick so you know how many of you not heard Cheryl and me before would you slip your hands up well it's nice to see you all nice to meet you nice I'm Harry you. she's Cheryl I wasn't Miss America she was and you'll get used to me no you'll you get... won't no you won't she's my she's my I'm a I'm a Michigander I'm from Flint so you're already used to me and you'll I'm never get used to her you will, Neil, I, I, 34 years and I still haven't gotten what? used to her. Are you going to take them into just, Romans? Just get, no, just give me one second, then you can bless him with some okay. things. No, I'm going into um, um, Haggai, if it's all right. Oh, sure. I'm going to go in Haggai, the chapter 2, verse 3. And it's talking about when, they, when Zerubbabel was given the word by the prophet to go and rebuild the temple that had lied, laid in ruins for years. And, and, and the prophet said to him, it's time to rebuild the temple. And if you don't know the rest of the story, you can read it in, in the Old Testament. And, um, but it says here, it says, Who is left among you who saw this house in its former glory? And how do you see it now? Is not this in your sight as nothing in comparison to that? And what they were actually talking about was actual, the physical temple that had lie, laid in ruins for over 18 years. And he says, who saw that temple in its former glory? And how does it look now? Now, what we say is that that's an actual building, but the temple also can refer to the church. And Cheryl and I grew up, um, as I, I said, I, I, grow, I grew up in Flint. I can remember when, when Billy Graham would come through with the big uh, crusades and they had the IMA Auditorium in Flint, Michigan. And then Oral Roberts came through with the crusades and the things of that nature. And, and I can go back and name other names, but, and, and Rex Humbard, and, and we can go back, the, the Grants, W.B. Grant Sr. And all the way back, um, and we saw thousands of people getting saved at night. You remember those, the, the altars with Dr. Graham, they would just flood to the front. And then with Dr. Roberts, you'd see the tents and he'd go out and they showed them on television. People were, goiters would, would disappear and they were getting healed. And, 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 then, and then with Catherine Kuhlman, I mean, she would just wave her hand and half of the building would just slide down in their seats. But we don't see that anymore. And so Cheryl and I... But we should. But we should. But we should. And, and we're going to touch a little bit on that in the weekend. But this is say, how many of you could... How many have ever been into a Billy Graham meeting? Anybody here that's been into a Billy Graham meeting? You know what I'm talking about. How about into uh, a Kenneth Hagin or an Oral Roberts or any of those meetings? So you can remember back then, well, how is it now? And so Cheryl and I, over the last couple of years have have wanted to reintroduce the holy spirit to the church because in in our ministry over the last 10 plus years people have literally come up to us before we get ready to minister and it's surprising we were in a baptist church one 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 day and um southern baptist church down first, in baptist. first baptist church and with the big pipe organ, and I sat down with the, with the, with the pastor, and I said, do you, do you know who we are? 
And he said, yes. I said, do you know what we do? I said, he said, yes. I said, what would you like us to do? He said, do what you do. We need a fresh wind, uh, the Holy Spirit in our church. We need a move of God. Yet there are denominational churches and there are charismatic churches that have said to Cheryl and me, we don't need any of that spooky stuff. That Holy Ghost stuff. That stuff. One, one, one pastor said that. I'm like, he's called a ghost. Well, he said, remember he said that. <laughs> Holy woo, ghost. Woo, woo, woo stuff. And we're like, woo, woo, woo. What does that mean? Woo, woo, woo. Well, what they said was, we don't need to be introduced to anything that's goofy or strange. Well, the Holy Spirit's not goofy or strange. Mm -mm. People are goofy or strange. That's right. And presentation can mess up a generation and make them go away from the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit longs to be with us. He was sent to the earth to be not just with us, but in us. When Jesus was teaching on the Holy Spirit and he was telling the disciples, I'm going to go away, and they were panicking. And he said, don't worry, I'm not going to leave you without help. I'm going to send you a helper. And, and he has been with you. Because they were hanging with Jesus, and the Holy Spirit was with Jesus. But soon, he will be in you. And that's what is missing in our culture of church now, is people having the Holy Spirit with them and in them. And it is not, um, the Holy Spirit in himself is not weird or strange or goofy or kooky people are weird, strange, goofy, and kooky. And so, it, you know, if somebody gets the Holy Ghost and then they're weird, strange, goofy, or kooky, they still are weird, strange, goofy, and kooky with the Holy Ghost. But that doesn't mean the Holy Ghost was that way. And if you're conservative and you get the Holy Ghost, you'll probably still be conservative afterwards. You see, the Holy Spirit doesn't come in and change your personality. You are who you are. But the Holy Spirit now is housed inside of you. And he's the one we long for and need. And so that's, that's kind of where we're at in our ministry, in our life. And, and um, so this is what we've taken on because we've sat in all those people's meetings. And now uh, Cheryl started a mentoring group. I've started a mentoring group. And we sit down with young people and we, we ask them, we, we tell them, um, well, first off, we say, what is your background or, or tell us a little bit about yourself. And when you mention the names of Kenneth Hagin or Oral Roberts or, or Billy Graham, they look at you and they'll go, who are they? They've I never been introduced to that. And then they might say, well, we've read about them. But then when you sit there and tell them, well, we were in their meetings. We've been in their services. We've ministered with we've them. We've been mentored by them. Immediately they want to know more. Because they, 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 they say, we've read about it, but we've never felt it. We've never been in those type of meetings. And so, and I was going to say this for Sunday morning, but recently we were, um, were, were asked by a, a worship leader in a church. And she came up to me and she said, can you tell me the difference between the Holy Spirit and the anointing? And at first I, was, I, I didn't, I, I really thought she was kind of being humorous to me. And I said, excuse me. She said, no. Can you, can you give me, can you define the difference between the Holy Spirit and the anointing? And this is a, a young woman in a large church that had a, a position as pastor. And I said to her, I said, well, it's very easy. The Holy Spirit's a who and the anointing's a what. And you can't have the what without the who. And she said, what do you mean? I said, you have to have 
the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit ushers in and the, and the manifestation of the anointing for, for miracles, signs, and wonders then manifest out. As, well, the, a, as an example, atmosphere is anointing. But you don't change the atmosphere with anointing until the Holy Spirit comes. When the Holy Spirit comes, the atmosphere begins to change. What's that uh, rather new song? I don't know if y'all sing it here, Roger, or not. The atmosphere is changing now. For the Spirit Sunday. of the Sunday. Lord okay. is here. The atmosphere changes when the Spirit of the Lord is here. And so the young lady sat through the worship, and then she sat through our first service. And then after the first service, she came running up to me, and she said, what was that? What was that? I said, what was what? And she said, what I did I feel? felt it. And I said, oh, you felt the anointing. She said, well, I've never felt that before. I said, then it's obvious that you've never ushered in the Holy Spirit, and the atmosphere changes when the anointing is present. And so you can try and create these things, but there's nothing like the, Holy, the move of the Spirit and the anointing of God, because it's the anointing that breaks the yoke. Amen. So and the Holy Spirit comes. The atmosphere has changed. And so that's our whole objective is to reintroduce the Holy Spirit to a new generation and, and let them understand that the Holy Spirit's not weird, that the Holy Spirit is essential. Jesus said it's necessary in John chapter 14 that I go away so that I can send you the Holy Spirit. In other words, Jesus is an amazing badge. He's our authority, the name of Jesus. He's a great badge. You can hold that badge up and say, in the name of Jesus. But, and, and that would be enough if we lived in the millennium and there was no more devil running around and there was no more sin and there was no more devils or, or no demons or no evil on the earth. Your badge would be fine. That'd be enough in the name of Jesus. But we're not in that realm yet. We're still uh, awaiting that season of time. And so having a badge without a gun is not smart where evil is still prevalent. So the Holy Spirit is your gun. And he and Jesus told us that. It's necessary that I go away. You're going to have my name, and then I'm going to send you a gun. <laughs> I'm going to send you the Holy Ghost. And he's going to back up my name with his power. So that's why we have a generation that needs the Holy Spirit because we don't want an entire generation of church without any power. Because all you have to do is read Revelations 2 to find that church with no power. And we don't want to be that church, right? All right, I brought you some things. I am lullabies, just how to get in the presence of God and stay in the presence of God while you sleep. Uh, who wants this one? I'm just giving it. Judy, would you help me? Uh, you have on flats, I have on heels. Will you run for me? <laughs> I'm just singing for my brand new worship CD, Reveal yourself to me it is the holiest one we've done and it's my favorite and this one is brand new it just it, this is our first trip with it. it's the feminine spirits and angels it's by our son harry the third he is if if you like deep things and you're smart you want the book if you're not don't, don't raise get. your hand I and mean, <laughs> if you're stupid don't get the book there you go <laughs> 
I'm laying down every book of the Bible um, prophetically, just singing like we did in the Spirit when I was flowing with the team. And um, we've done the book of Revelation, 22 chapters. We've done the book of Proverbs, 31 chapters. And we just did the book of Ruth, maybe my favorite of all. Uh, oh, you want that one? There and this one, this is the presence of angels in your life. I saw a gentleman with his hand up. I love it when men raise their hands. I'm always looking for hands. a little young so girl. I'm going to bless you with that one there, sir. There's a young lady over here. I see her on her phone. There you go. Oh, there's two young ladies. Okay. They're well, coloring. One of you gets a necklace, and the other one, oh, none of these are suitable for you. I want you come, and I'll help you pick one out afterwards. Okay. Okay, And good. this is when seeing the, the children here tonight. Uh, our son um, is the godfather to our new grandson. We have two grandbabies now. We have uh, Mia Gabriella and then Roman Harry. And uh, so our son is the godfather to him. And so he began to write a series of children's books. And this one is Count to Ten, Say Amen, Teaching Your Children How to how Pray in Jesus' Name. Pray. And then he's got another one over there that talks about the how Holy Spirit. He's, the the so. second one is... Um, Time to build and be spirit-filled. It's out at the table teaching your children about the Holy Spirit. So he um, prays five hours a day in the Holy Ghost. And God has given him, so far, 26 of these children's books. He has two illustrated. And the one illustrator said, you're going to have to get some more illustrators. I can't keep up with you. So it's going to be a great series for children. Uh, if you have your Bibles and you would like to open them up tonight, we'll start at the book of Romans 15, verse 13. I'm just going to give you a scripture that that's very personal to, to our family, especially to me. And uh, it's Romans 15, verse 13. And I believe last year we might have ministered from this scripture. It was something that um, uh, I was reading one morning before we were preparing to do a, a live television broadcast. And it just jumped off the page for me. And it really is everyone's testimony, but it's our testimony. It reads like this. It says, may the God of your hope. So the very first word is may. It's, it's giving God permission. And so we give God permission. There are a lot of people, you know, in this country, that, that in the world, that don't even believe in God. I don't know how you can not believe in God. We were out on the lake yesterday, and you look at all the, the, the water and the trees and the beautiful things, and then we began to see the animals and everything else. How can you not believe there's a God, some supreme being that created everything? But there are people that don't. But it says, first, if you allow God, I believe in God. I believe you believe in God. You're here. May the God of your hope, hope's what we hold on to until we get our breakthrough. We hold on to hope until we get a miracle. So fill you with all joy. The Bible says that the joy of the Lord is your strength. And so the joy of the Lord, and it says, and peace. Peace means nothing missing, nothing broken. So let me read it. It says, give God permission because he's the only hope that you have, that he will strengthen you with joy, that there'll be nothing missing, nothing broken, how? In believing through the experiences of your faith. What does that mean? Everything that you've gone through in your life and you've come out on the other side. Those are experiences of faith. Mm -hmm. People say, I'm a faith person. Why are you a faith person? Well, I, I have a Bible or I go to church or I, I bought a Kenneth Hagin book at one time. No. Faith, my definition is when all hell breaks loose in your life, you still believe. That's having faith because now you actually had to activate your faith. So it says, in believing through everything that you've gone through by your faith, that, the, that by the power of the Holy Spirit. Yes. By the power, power of the Holy Spirit. There is power through the Holy Spirit. It says that you may abound 
and be overflowing. And my Bible's an amplified Bible. It says bubbling over with hope. That it be exuding from you. That anywhere that you go, you might be sad, you might have a bad day, you might, but you can be bubbling over with hope that you'll be able to help somebody else get through what they're going Amen. through. And the only way you can do it is by the strength that the Holy Ghost gives you. The power of the Holy Spirit. If uh, we had a title for these three days, it would be uh, twofold. His infilling power and his indwelling presence. These are the two attributes that we could count on from the Holy Ghost. His infilling power and his indwelling presence. And they are both manifestations of the Holy Spirit. And on Sunday, we'll get to the, the very fulfillment of that. But we want to start with this. Harry read the scripture in Romans. And then I just wanted to share Acts 1 verse 8. And one of the reasons is because we have quite a few new people. And in Acts 1 verse 8, uh, we've already gone through the book of John at this point, which we'll cover a lot of that tomorrow. But you get to Acts 1 verse 8. Jesus has already been crucified, dead, buried, resurrected, lived on the earth now for uh, 40 days, and then he's ascended. And then he tells them to wait because he's going to send the Holy Spirit, and they wait another 10 days. Now, the, the, the promise is in Acts 1 verse 8, and you shall receive power. The Holy Spirit is power. The Holy Spirit is not just introduction of a person. It's an introduction of power. It's an introduction to know what you can't possibly know. The power to understand and have wisdom that you can't possibly have. Knowledge that you can't possibly have. Miracle work and power that you can't possibly have. Signs, wonders. See, when you have the Holy Spirit, all of the manifestation of his infilling power is yours. So if you just receive the Holy Spirit and you think that's all you got and praise God, I was praying in tongues every day for the rest of my life, but you have no power, you're not actually using what you've already gotten. It's not like I have to get more of the Holy Ghost. When you get the Holy Ghost, you get all the Holy Ghost. It's like understanding the righteousness of God. The minute I said yes to Jesus and he took all my filthiness, then I took all his righteousness. And if I live another 60 years, which I may very well be, I'm only 61, I could live to 120, I probably will. My spiritual, my spiritual father, Kenneth Copeland, says he is. I have his DNA. I probably will too. And that's why I only look this age, because I'm going to live a very long time. And I ask the Lord to make my clock go this way instead of this way. And so I need the power of the Holy Ghost to do everything he's called me to do. But if you don't, you get all that power, just like when you get righteousness. I took all of God's righteousness. He took all my filthiness. 60 years from now, if I'm still on the earth preaching, I won't be a bit more righteous than the day I gave my heart to Jesus at 14 years old because I didn't get a measure of his righteousness and then earn the rest. Now, I, I, it was a gift of righteousness, just like it's a gift of the Holy Spirit. I don't get a little drop of the Holy Spirit and then earn more of him. Let me I get back. all the Holy Ghost when I got the Holy Ghost. Let, let me flip back to verse 5. It says, For John baptized with water, but not many days from now you shall be baptized with, placed in, introduced into the Holy Spirit. So when they were assembled, they asked him, Lord, 
is this the time when you will be reestablished? You will reestablish the kingdom and restore it to Israel. They were so eager for him. And he said to them, it is not for you to become acquainted with and to know what time brings these things and events of the time, their, their definite periods or fixed years and seasons, their critical niche in time, which, is the fa which the Father has appointed, fixed and reserved by his own choice and authority and personal power, but you shall receive. Now, I'm going to dwell on the word shall. He didn't say you will, which means it's in the future. And he didn't say you can, which means the ability. He said you shall, which is a guarantee. Mm -hmm. He says you shall receive power. You shall power. receive. And then Yours. I, it, when it says that you shall, that, that, it, some people don't understand it. It, it, it. It's happened for you. It's there. It's a guarantee. So that you may that you shall receive receive power and might when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses. Well, there's a reason why you're going to receive the Holy Spirit so that we are all witnesses. And th and that's one of the things that Charles said earlier. If we don't have a church with power, then why do we have a church? Because if we don't exercise the power that we have. We have no ability to change the world. But when we get the power of the Holy Spirit, we can do all things. Joe, I was telling Pastor tonight, Joe and I were watching Kenneth Copeland a couple of weeks ago, and he said a politician came up to him, and he recognized him, and he said, are you Kenneth Copeland? And he said, I am. He said, look, if you, ever, if you Christians ever got together and figured this thing out, and you guys could, could, could in not. agreement, he said, you can control the House, you can control the Senate, he said, you can control the White House. He said, but you'll never he get it together. He said, it'll never happen because you're fragmented. You're divided. Well, what does that mean? It means you haven't got any power. But if we had the power of the Holy Spirit, we walked in agreement. Let me tell you, we could see the second coming of Christ. Well, I love that you brought that up because in John, <coughs> in uh, Acts 1 verse 5, it says John baptized with water, but you will be baptized and empowered and united. That's what the Amplified says. You will be baptized, empowered, and united with the Holy Spirit not long from now. Now, this is what I'm beginning to understand. We, we are always going to have our differences. We're people. People are different. Uh, we're, we're never going to agree on everything about doctrine or the way to do things or some like a pipe organ and some like a lead guitar. You know, they, they, we're different. But the Holy Spirit unites us in one common thing, Him. Him. He unites us. We become a real body operating as a body with our differences. In fact, our differences make us okay so that we're not dull. <laughs> I asked the Lord one time, I said, man, I don't even know how you, you can even understand your church. We're all so different. He said, my kids are like ice cream, lots of flavors, and I love everyone. And that helped me understand that just because somebody's not my flavor doesn't mean God doesn't think they're awesome. It kept me from judging people because they're just not like me. So now if somebody's born again, I love them because God adores them. Maybe they're different from me, but that's okay. Different is good. If it was all just alike, somebody would be unnecessary. Right? Since the difference is a good thing. So, you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you, and then you'll be my witnesses. And that's Jesus talking as our defense attorney. You'll be my witnesses, which means your sound will change when you get filled with the Holy Ghost. You won't talk like you've always talked. 
That comes in Acts 2. Look at Acts 2. Let's talk about the Holy Ghost here. Let's talk about the practical side of the Holy Ghost. So, this was all the promise, and then it happened. They were all together in one accord, in one place, and suddenly a sound came from heaven. Everybody say, sound from heaven. A sound came from heaven. Now, see, when I read that all my life, I did not see that. I saw, and suddenly the room was filled with wind. That's what I read. But that's not what it says. It says, suddenly a sound came from heaven, and it was like wind. In other words, he's trying to describe what happened. The room wasn't filled with wind, even though it was like wind. The Ruach, the Ruach Spirit of God filled the room, but it came in, and its manifestation was sound. It wasn't when the manifestation of the Holy Ghost was sound. And a sound from heaven filled the room. It was like a, a rest of mighty wind. He's trying to describe it. If you've ever seen a vision or you've ever had a dream from God and you're trying to share it, you're looking for any English word you can come up with describe to try to describe something that happened in the supernatural realm. Now, because stop. our words are so... Yeah. <laughs> now hold it right there because th this is talking about with the day of Pentecost. Back when the, the first Continental Congress met together in Philadelphia, mm -hmm. and they, they, back then, they, they didn't have air conditioning. They didn't have the, the, the fans and things. They had the windows wide open. And it said that when they were in there and they were praying, mm -hmm. and praying in the Spirit, they said that they could hear that sound from blocks away. In every direction. That's how this country was founded that the founding fathers were praying and they Filled were on their the face praying so loud that it could be heard like a mighty blocks rushing away. wind blocks away. The room was filled with sound. It was like wind. Like wind would just come in and poof, the room was filled with sound. The whole room was sound. And it wasn't quiet sound. It was loud sound. And it filled all the house. So it was a room, but all of a sudden the room has filled the house. So it's loud. This is what I try to get people to understand when they pray in the Holy Ghost. They go, God said it was loud. You need to hear yourself pray. You need to hear yourself pray so that you know this is not you. Your whole temple needs to be filled with the sound of heaven. Aren't you tired of being filled with the sound of earth? Haven't you got your fill of that? I've got my fill of it. I've got my fill of my own sound of earth, and I've got my fill of your sound of earth. <laughs> I like the sound of heaven. <laughs> the sound of heaven, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Let's look at the next verse. Now, while you go to the next verse, last, last September, was it? I went up to the mountains in um, mm -hmm, last New Mexico, mm -hmm. and, and, and um, it was a men's retreat. And, and, the, and the room would only hold 300 men. It was a, um, a glassed-in, like, um, multi-purpose facility. And when the men, 300 men started worshiping, the windows started to rattle. And they started to vibrate. And I, I, I could hear the windows vibrate as they were bringing me to the facility. <laughs> I could hear a sound like thunder and a roar. And it was this scripture right here. And, and I said, we have thunder on the mountain tonight. By 300 men worshiping. 
Now to get 300 men together, that's a miracle. <laughs> and get then them they to get worship. them to sing. But then when they got together and they began to sing, something happened. And, the, and, and I didn't even get to preach that night. The Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost fell. On 300 men. And words of knowledge began to fall. And men were getting healed. People were getting delivered. Men came up for salvation. And I stopped right in the middle of it. And we began to serve communion to 300 men. Never a, a, a word preached, but a move of God happened to those 300 men. They'll never be the same. I'll never be the same. I was blessed because my son was there to witness it. Amen. And I took a pastor from California with me. He said, I've never been in a room like that. I said, well, this is the way it should be in your church. That you get the sound of heaven in your church every Sunday morning. Next verse says, and there appeared to them. Now, this is the other thing. We think that they saw fire, but they didn't see fire. There appeared to them. The, uh, what translation are you using? Cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. Let me read it to you out of Amplified. That's King James. Okay. Then there appeared to them tongues resembling fire, which were being distributed among them, and they rested on each one of them as each person received the Holy Spirit. So as each person received the Holy Spirit, the whole room's filled with sound. Everybody's not received the Holy Ghost yet. But there, the room's filled with sound. And then a tongue begins to sit on every head. A tongue. It, you know how fire has tongue look? That's what it's used in that descriptive word. Now, yes, the Holy Ghost is like fire and the Holy Ghost is like wind. I'm not saying that those aren't descriptive words of the Holy Ghost. They are. But it, when the Holy Ghost was first given, it wasn't about the wind and it wasn't about the fire. Remember when God spoke to Elijah? And he said, I wasn't in the wind, and I wasn't in the fire. We've missed that. He was in the still small voice. Here, he was in a voice, all right. He was filling everybody's person with the sound of heaven. So he said, here, you've got a tongue that makes earth. I'm going to give you a tongue that makes heaven. Here's another tongue makes heaven. Oh, you, you can talk. You've got a tongue. It, it makes the sound of earth. Here's one that makes the sound of heaven. How many of you realize that you're on the earth when you're filled with the Holy Ghost, you have a different kind of tongue. Your talk changes when you have the Holy Ghost. A fired tongue, like fire, sits on your head, and now your tongue, you got a heaven tongue right on the top of your head, right there. God says, when I fill you with the Holy Ghost... Your tongue changes. You can talk earth if you want to. You still got an earth tongue. But I gave you a different tongue, a better tongue, a higher tongue. That's the tongue I want to hear because that's the tongue that sounds like heaven. People say to me, where are you from? I say, I'm from Mississippi. They, they say, wow, when did you leave? I said, 40 years ago. They said, sound like you left yesterday. <laughs> because I sound like where I'm from. God gave us a tongue when we get filled with the Holy Ghost so that when people hear us talk, they know we're not from here. We don't sound like earth. We sound like hope. We sound like faith. We sound like encouragement. We sound like all the attributes of God. We don't sound like earth. We don't sound like the news. We don't sound like bad. We sound like good. So our tongue changes and people know you must be from heaven. They don't even know what they're doing. They just know you don't sound like them. 
See, God is trying to get us to understand when you get the Holy Ghost, your whole sound changes. Your tongue changes. The way you think changes. That's why he put the tongue on your head. So your head would start thinking differently. The Holy Ghost messes with you. He doesn't leave you the way he found you. He starts messing with you. Makes you sound different. Makes you think different. Makes you want to be different. And Pastor Barb, the Holy Ghost told me to tell you this today. I was praying in the Holy Ghost while I was getting ready. If anybody watched me on Facebook today, I was getting ready in the bathroom praying in the Holy Ghost on Facebook Live. And the Holy Ghost said to me, tell you this, many are called, but few are chosen. You were chosen, many were called when you were called. But you were chosen... <laughs> yeah, I know. It just went choom. Did anybody else feel that? Many are called, but few are chosen. You were chosen because when others wouldn't do the work to be chosen, you did the work. When others wouldn't push in, you pushed in. He's looking to bless everybody. But we're going to have to push in. We're going to have to leave flesh behind. We're going to have to leave it behind if we want to go where God's going. You can't walk both roads. Which one you want to walk? I'm going to walk with God. I'm going to walk with God. Verse 4 says, And they were filled, diffused throughout their souls with the Holy mm -hmm. Spirit, and began to speak in different languages, foreign languages, tongues, as the Spirit kept giving them clear and loud expression in each tongue, in appropriate words. Now there, there were those who were residing in Jerusalem, the Jews, devout and God-fearing men from every country under heaven. And when this sound was heard, the multitude came together and they were astonished. Wait a minute, what? And when the what? When the, the sound, sound was heard. And when the what? Sound. The sound was heard. The multitude came together, and they were astonished, and they were bewildered, because each one heard them, the apostles, speaking in his own particular dialect. I like if you go on and read a few more verses. And they were beside themselves with amazement, saying, Are not all these who are talking Galileans? Then how is it? that we hear each of us in our own particular dialect to which we were born. Now, I want to stop there. Uh, maybe Pastor Norm feels this way, Barb, I don't know. Maybe John and Judy, when you speak, do you feel this way? Cheryl and I feel this way. <clears throat> now, we've, we've spoken at church. We've, we've spoken at the largest church in, the, in, in America. We've spoken at, um, what's the name, Osteen's Church down there. Now, if you think about that church, I think that it seats 15,000 people. I think. I think they have two services. And if you think that there are 15,000 people there, and if you just take and say that 10% of them have a problem that day, so you've got 1,500 people that have a problem, and they come to church, and they're really asking God, and they're seeking God because they, they need their problem solved, or they're seeking God for an answer. 
Should I get married? Should I not get married? Should I take the new job? Should I not take the new job? So we prepare a message, and then we get up there, and we have one message that, that 15,000 people are going to hear. Maybe 1,500 have a problem. So how can you prepare one message that 1,500 people that have 1,500 different problems are going to get their answer that day? Have you ever thought about that? You ever, th you ever thought how you're going to reach everybody here and so they walk out and they say, well, we got what we came for today because the biggest disappointment from us is that you'd leave here and say, I got nothing tonight. I mean, because if you did that, let me tell you, you're not going to come back in a couple of weeks. And so one night my wife and I, we were, we were, we were going to minister the weekend and we did not know this, but it was a prophetic conference. And we went in a day early to support the conference. And so we showed up on Friday night, and it started at 7 p.m. And by 12 o'clock, they hadn't started preaching yet. 12 o'clock. We've got two little boys back at the hotel. And I know our, our son Roman's like, where's mom and dad? Because he was the timekeeper, you know. And we're like, but we can't leave yet because. We're on the platform. <laughs> We well, that's never stopped me before. We can't slip out. We're on the platform. And so, so the, the, the minister, it was a prophetic, as a prophetic conference. So at the end of it, the minister said, oh, look, it's, it's midnight and we have tomorrow. And he said, and I know you all would like me to line you up and go one by one down the row and give each one of you a prophetic word. He I'm said, like, but oh, I'm not. Please, God, no. <laughs> what did please you say? God. I said, oh, please, God, no. Oh, we'd have been there at 4 o'clock in the morning. It was a big conference, right? And, and so he said, so I, I don't feel led to do that. He said, but I do have a word for one couple. And he turned, and Cheryl and I were like, she said, we were seated on the platform over there. And he turned, and he said, I have a word for that couple right there. And it was at a time in our life, our daughter had just gone to heaven at the age of six, that everybody and their brother wanted to give us a word. And every word that we got offended us. Yeah, none of them were what, you know, Oh, great, you're doing wonderful. It was more like, uh, this is why your daughter died. You didn't have enough faith. You know, you, 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 you know, we'd had enough of those kind of words, so we really didn't want another word, and especially so, in front of people. So we were know. sitting over there, and he pointed right at us, and I said to Cheryl, duck, duck down. down. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they'll like, give it to the people uh, sitting behind us. And my wife just happened to have been wearing the zebra print, print not leopard, but zebra, like a big stripe, black, black and white. And white. And Hard to miss. Outfit, and he said, "No, the one right there wearing the zebra outfit." And I said, "Could you, you not have wore a little zebra. black dress tonight?" You know. <laughs> and, and, and so he began to to, to give this word. And, and let me tell you, it, it took about three minutes, maybe mm -hmm. two and a half minutes. It was a good long word. She's crying, and I mean, it hit my spirit. It was. And good. then he said, um, after he delivered, he said, "I hope that ministered to you." He said, "I pray you all come back tomorrow morning." into the service just like he said a couple came up to us who who were um, messianic jews and they had traveled with us up there and he said what she said she's the wife said it wasn't that a wonderful word i said yes it was she said what did what minister to you and i what part of it minister and i started to tell her and and she said to me she said he didn't say that <laughs> i said yes he did no he didn't i said to her well what, what do you think he said and she started to tell me and and i flippantly said well, he didn't say that either. And so I was turning to my wife, who we are one. Bible says yes. when two become one. one. And I said, validate what I said. And my wife started to say what she heard. And we both looked at her and said, he didn't, he say, didn't that. say that. So we did what everybody would do. We went out to the tape table bought and we tape. bought a tape of the service. 
And went and, to the car. And we went to the car and we'd it. asked her husband and, and what he said, we didn't hear it. So we put the tape in the, in the machine. In and the it car. was a beautiful word. Yeah. But nothing any one of us heard was on that tape. Nothing. Nothing. So I go to bed that night, and I'm, I hope you like me, I'm scratching my head going, what in the world is going on? I know, and I knew I heard it, too. I said to Harry, I know what I heard. And I can tell you this day it. what he said. He said, you have lost your smile, and you have lost your joy. Well, our little daughter, Gabrielle, had this big smile, and she was full of joy. And I mean, I, that's what I heard. And I know you heard something else. And so I'm laying in bed that night, and, the, and the, the Holy Spirit began to minister to me. It wasn't an audible voice. I've heard an audible voice from the Lord, but the Holy Spirit said to me, he said, you've often wondered how you've stood before crowds of 30,000 and wondered how each and every one of them got their needs met when you preach one message. And he spoke to my spirit. He said, when it's a rhema word from God, each person Here's hears through the I Holy Spirit what hear. they need, and each one gets ministered to no matter what you say in your audible voice. They hear what Isn't that good? I say. Now, I'm not that smart. That had to be from the Lord. That's the power of the Holy Spirit, That's though. the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. And see, that really set me free almost 20 years ago. To quit trying to preach to please the people or, or to even to minister to the people because you just have to do what God tells you to do and say what God tells you to say because He is speaking. He's speaking. He's the sound. He's a sound. It was a sound from heaven that filled the room. It was a sound from heaven that filled the room. It was a sound from heaven that filled the room. I'm trying to get this across to you, that when you have the Holy Ghost, you have a sound from heaven that's always coming out of you. And so if you're in the Walmart and you're walking and God says, go over there and say to that person, da -da 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 -da, don't worry, you've got a sound from heaven. Now on your way over there, don't get religious. Don't ruin the word by the time you get over there with your, thus saith the Lord, duh. Now, okay, it's weird. And you made it that way. God didn't say that to you. He didn't say, thus, go tell them, thus saith the Lord. He never, I have never heard the Lord say that. You go tell them what God told you, and, and it'll change their life. And you might have a real word from the Lord for that person, but because you've cooked it up, they won't receive it. We were in Indiana. They I think, can't get uh, past the delivery. We, we were in Indiana when, I think it was Indiana, I'm not it sure, was. Indiana. And I had the two boys with me. Gabrielle had gone to heaven, so I had the two boys with me. Mama went over to the cosmetics or something, but it was a Target store. And this woman came up and she stopped like this and she looked at me and she said, I know who you are. I said, I don't know who you are. <laughs> TV doesn't work that way. <laughs> I've had people say that. You know who I am. I see you on TV. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> and, and I said, I'm, she said, I watch you on TV. I said, yes, ma'am. She said, I watched you today. Yes, ma'am. She says, I have a word from the Lord for you. And the boys are standing there, and I thought, oh, okay, well, you know, Target's as good a place anyway. She reached into her purse, and she took out two rubber gloves, right. and she put them on her hands, like, and snapped them like surgical gloves. And then she started to spin around. Right? And she takes out a parasol. And she starts to spin around. And she says, were you ready to receive the word? I said, I believe you have that word for my wife. She's right over there in cosmetics. 
And I pointed her over there. He and did. she walked right over, and Cheryl's standing there, and I'm a waving at Cheryl. <laughs> <laughs> because I wanted the word, but she got kooky on me right there in Target, you know? So and no then she wanted to she ride could. home. That wasn't going to happen either. So <laughs> She said, are you going my way? Harry said, which way are you going? She said, that way. Harry said, I'm definitely going that way. <laughs> and, and, you know, I mean, she could have had a real, real word. But, but she made it goofy. She made me uncomfortable. Now, before we go any farther, because this is a, a school, does anybody have any questions? You have questions? Feel free to just slip your hand up, ask any questions if you have it's any questions. It's a school. It's so not just not a service. It's a school. Anything, so. <clears throat> Has anybody got any questions about anything? Okay. We just go on. I know we have a lot of new people. I received the Holy Spirit um, when I was 17 years old. I got saved when I was 14. I've been in church all my life, played the piano for church all my life. But uh, when I was 14, I gave my heart to Jesus. I actually walked the aisle when I was 13. And gave my heart to Jesus, but I didn't understand what I had done. And so I still felt guilty. I still felt ashamed. My soul realm was still uh, so uncertain. And so the next year came around, and I gave my heart to Jesus again. And during a revival, I'm a Methodist, so we, we, you know, nobody went to the altar except once a year. And so once a year we had revival, and uh, I went down. I left the piano, actually, and went over and, and gave my heart to Jesus again. And... This time when I went in the back room, and I always wept a lot. I, I, I was sexually abused for 10 years of my life, so I carried a lot of shame. And so uh, when I went to the back room to pray with the evangelist's wife this time, I was just bawling my eyes out in a chair, and, and she finally said to me, you about done? And I looked up and wiped my eyes, and I said, yes, ma'am. And she said, well, stop crying. I want to tell you why you're saved. You don't know. If you know why you're saved, you'll stop that crying. Because you don't earn your way. It doesn't, he's already covered you. you he, she said, have you already done this before? And I said, a year ago. And she said, well, you were saved then. But you don't know it till now. And so, let's, and so she opened the word and she showed me in the word while I was born again. And so three years later, and I've, I've been, at this point I've been crippled for several years. I've had a short leg from being in a car wreck. And I'm 17 years old. The doctor tells me I won't be able to have any children. My back's so out of line. My, my uh my womb is twisted and so many different reasons. So I start studying the Bible about what does God say about healing. And I find out God wants me to be healed because his word says so. And I'm a very practical girl. If his word says so, then it's for me. And so uh, a man named Kenneth Hagin, I'd never heard of him. He's not big in the Methodist church. When he came to Mississippi and he was going to preach and so these two Methodists, these two Baptists, and a couple of Presbyterians and me got in a car and went to Jackson, and Brother Hagin preached that night, and he asked, did anybody want to get saved? People came forward. Then he said, did anybody want to uh, be healed? And I jumped up and went down front thinking I was going to be the only one, but then all these other people came too, and I'm like, okay, you can have it if you want to, but this is my miracle. And so you got to take ownership of what is yours. It doesn't, I didn't care if 200 other people got it. I am getting what I came for tonight. And when you take that kind of attitude with God, he loves that. That's tenacious, and he loves that. And so by the time Brother Hagin got to me and laid his hands on me, I fall out under the Spirit. Now, I'm a Methodist. I fall out under the Spirit. And when I get up, both my legs are the same length. My back is healed. I had ulcers in my stomach. They were healed. My womb was in place. Everything in my body was healed. Because I said, Father, just give me anything and everything you want me to have. And when I said that, 
he healed me and I started praying in another language. Now, I was a senior in high school and I needed a foreign language to go to college. We didn't have a foreign language at Ware High School, we had English. 36 of my graduating class, so I'm thinking, Father, give me anything and everything you want me to have. Oh, he gave me a foreign language so I can go to college. I don't know if it's Spanish, Italian, it doesn't matter. I've got it. And so I'm going to go to college with it. So in my brain, that's what God gave me. He answered my prayer. So I go back to my seat. I was sitting on the second row. We got there early, and I slid in by all my friends. Now I am in this language. And so Brother Hagen finishes up, and he asks, does anybody want to receive the Holy Ghost? Well, I'm thinking, hey, if there's something else, I want it. So I jump up, and my friend won't let me buy. Now, I'm, I'm stuck in the tongue. I, I'm stuck in the other language. So I'm trying. She won't let me buy. She will not let me buy. And I'm trying to convince her that he said there was something else I wanted. She said, honey, you have the Holy Ghost. That's what you have. Said, oh, but I was stuck in tongues. I was stuck. I couldn't come out. <laughs> and I received the Holy Ghost not knowing who the Holy Ghost is. That's how much he wants you to have him. I didn't have any training, any teaching, any, now this is how you're going to do, this is how you're going to act, this is how you, nothing. I just said, give me anything and everything you want me to have. He healed me and he filled me with the Holy Ghost. So I'm telling you, God wants you to have the Holy Ghost. His word says so. He says, if you ask me for the Holy Ghost, I'm not going to give you a stone. I want you to have the Holy Ghost. I didn't even know who he was, and he filled me with the Holy Ghost. And I got so empowered that I left there knowing I would be able and would change the world. And I'd have changed the world. Six months later, I entered my first pageant and won and five years later, I walked the runway to be Miss America for you and for me and for this nation. And I'm still carrying that title 40 years later with the authority that God gave me then for our nation. That's from a little girl from Choctaw County, Mississippi, sexually abused for 10 years, crippled, been through three windshields with my face, knocked my teeth out when I was 20 years old. I'm telling you, I've been through some stuff. And yet God said, power. It's not about what you go through. It's about who you're carrying with you. Now, now 9 o'clock, we should stop. Is that good? Right at 9? That's two hours, right? Or, <laughs> well, we don't want to keep you too late. Mine was different. Now, you notice she got saved, and then you got filled how many years Three later? Three years later. Three years later. Mine was, and it, is so, it happened almost, well, uh, Kenneth Hagin. Uh, again, again, Kenneth Hagin. Um, and, and I didn't know who Kenneth Hagin was. I got invited to a Kenneth Hagin camp meeting out in Oklahoma. Now, you were in Jackson, Mississippi. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I got invited there. And, and so I walk in the building, <clears throat> and there was a seat right on the corner. It was actually this seat on this side, because here's the platform. And there was an empty seat right here. So I just walked in and I took that front row seat. I didn't know that it said usher on it because I'm re I, front row seat. I'm going to sit down. I took the seat. He began to minister. And this is what happened for me that night. There was an invalid section way over there, like against that wall. And all night long, I stared at a person on a 
Stretcher. Stretcher. Hospital bed. They hadn't moved all night long. Hadn't moved. And he's preaching away, and then he just he's just talking like I am, and he stopped, and he said, yep, yep, yep. Get up off of that bed, take up your bed, and walk. And he just, yep, yep, yep. And I'm sitting here going, that person hasn't moved all night long. I think that person has died. <laughs> they ain't moved, and they're in a hospital bed. And this guy tells him, get up and walk. I am now the skeptic of all skeptics. About two, three, four minutes later, a person, I see him moving their hand, and I see him take the sheet off, and I see him sit up, and that person walked right past me, and I could smell death. I don't know if you've ever, I, I worked in the, in, the, in the healing rooms, and you can smell death on people, and sometimes their skin will flake off, I could smell it. Time got to the other side of the, that big auditorium, turned around, and was picking up speed. That smell of death had left. Wow. Didn't get back on that bed. Stood over there. And it was at that moment he said, for those of you in disbelief who are now believers, this is your time to receive who you're believing in. And he gave an altar call. Because when you see a miracle, let me tell you. That'll settle the issue. That settled the issue. I... <laughs> I'm like, Jesus, that guy can do that? <laughs> Introduce me to the one who just did that. And so I jumped to my feet. And the next thing I know, I, I turned around. And I'm thinking, everybody in this place, 8,000 people should be standing up right now because they just saw that. And nobody in my section stood up. And I'm turning around going. <laughs> right? I did not know that I was sitting in the VIP section. There was Oral Roberts, there was, there was <laughs> Kenneth John Copeland, Upstate. there was Fred Price. All these, I could see the security people going, we got a heathen on the front row, <laughs> tackle him, right? <laughs> Take him down. <laughs> and I, and I, I had no idea. I, I mean, honest to God, I did, had no idea. But that was my moment. I that saw a miracle. And so I went forward. And I prayed the sinner's prayer, and then they took me right past that person over to the, uh, under, underneath the bleachers in that great building. And there was a gentleman with a beard, and he came up to me, and he said, he introduced himself, and I can't tell you who his name was because I don't remember. But he said, um, so you gave your heart to the Lord? And I said, I, I did. I said, I saw that. And I said, man, there should be more people back here. He said, now do you want to um, be filled with the Spirit? I said, what's that? He said, just pray after me. And the next thing I know, I'm praying in tongues. I mean, I'd seen a miracle, and there was no doubt. And so the next thing I know, I went out of my mind and went right into my spirit, and I got filled with the spirit just like that. So it was different than hers. I got born again and filled just like that in that very moment. Neat thing about that story was probably, I don't know, 10, 12 years ago, that fellow showed up in one of our meetings. Yeah. And he was no longer red-haired and a red beard. He was gray-headed and gray-beard. And he looked at me and said, do you remember me? And I said, I'm sorry, I don't. He said, well, I'm the man that met you under the bleachers, the bleachers and introduced you to the Holy Spirit. He said, I followed your ministry. And I said, well, you have a great part in my ministry. It was a, it was a really neat thing for me. So mine was a little different than yours. Jesus said in John 14, he was preparing the disciples for his departure, but also for what was to come was the Holy Spirit. And he told them in uh, verse 16, I'll ask the Father, and he'll give you another helper. 
He'll give you a comforter, an advocate, an intercessor, a counselor, a strengthener, a standby. And he'll be with you forever. So when you have the Holy Spirit, he's with you forever. He doesn't go and come as you feel him. He's with you always. So even, I love the scripture that says, if you go into the depths of hell, I'm with you. If you ascend into the heights of heaven, I'm with you. In other words, you can't shake him. He's not going anywhere except where you go. And so understanding that with the scripture in Hebrews, it says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. He's talking about the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost never leaves you and never forsakes you. No matter how stupid you act, the Holy Ghost doesn't say, well, I'll, I'll wait till you come back. No. If you go into a bar and get drunk and sh- shoot somebody and act like a fool, the Holy Ghost is right there with you. Because he promised you if he's in you, he won't ever leave you. So why do I want to point that out? Because verse 17 says, The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive and take to its heart because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he, the Holy Spirit, remains with you continually and soon will be in you. That's the difference in the infilling power and the indwelling presence. If you go on, he says, I'll not leave you as orphans, comfortless, bereaved, and helpless. I'll come back to you. Now, you get on down to verse 26 there, and he says, But the helper, the comforter, the advocate, the intercessor, the counselor, the standby, the strengthener, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. Are you getting the divine connection between the Father, the name of Jesus, and the Holy Spirit? whom the Father will send in my name, in my place, to represent me and act on my behalf. The Holy Spirit inside of you, John, when he gives you a revelation of what to do at work, that's the Holy Spirit not just giving you divine insight, divine wisdom, divine understanding, divine knowledge. He's also representing Jesus. He is representing Jesus. And I don't think we understand. We try to put Jesus over here and the Holy Spirit over here. But the Holy Spirit comes to take Jesus' place on the earth and to represent Jesus and to act on Jesus' behalf. Why wouldn't anybody not want the Holy Ghost? He's representing Jesus, replacing who Jesus was on the earth and acting on the behalf of Jesus. He will, he, the Holy Spirit, will teach you all things and will help you remember everything that I've told you. You want to have a good memory? Pray in the Holy Ghost. You don't have to say, oh, my memory's going, I'm getting older. No, I'm praying in the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost remembers everything and will bring it to my memory because the Word says so. Don't say, I'm getting old, and and stop it. Don't be like that. Don't talk like earth. You are from heaven. You sound like heaven. You're eternal. You're eternal already. You don't close your eyes here and open them there and become eternal. You became eternal the day Jesus said yes to you and you said yes to him and the Holy Ghost filled you. Eternity is who you are. You are eternity already. You're not temporal. You're eternal. Then Jesus goes on and he says, peace I leave you. 
my perfect peace I give to you, not as the world gives, do I give to you. Don't be troubled. Don't be afraid. Let my perfect peace calm you in every circumstance and give you courage and strength for every challenge. Now, he goes on down to verse 30, and he says, I will not speak with you much longer, for the ruler of this world, Satan, is coming. And he has no claim on me, no power over me, nor anything that he can use against me. And I love to quote that verse. Jesus said, the Holy, he said that the devil has nothing on me. And I like to add, and the devil has nothing in me either. If the devil has nothing on you and the devil has nothing in you, then you don't have to worry about the devil. So, just stop right there for a second. How many of you have an illness in your body? That's where I Anybody have an illness you like? Okay, what Cheryl just said. Whatever Satan has tried to put in you or tried to put on you cannot live around you because the Holy Spirit is in you and has broken off anything that's tried to occupy you. And that is the thing that you've got to understand. What Cheryl and I understand is that when she had cancer the first time, we prayed that the cancer could not live in her. Kenneth Copeland came and prayed for her. And he punched her in the stomach. Hard. And I couldn't understand what he was doing. But I didn't even feel her. it. But he punched me hard. Now, the doctors had begun taking the surgery down here. And they opened her up all the way above your, your be belly button. How many staples? Forty. When they opened her up, the doctor came to me and said that the cancer is not where we thought saw it, it was. It's not where it we saw it. It has moved significantly. And he said, I've released the, um, the urologist, I've released the, this, and he released the kidney doctor, and he released Let all these go. other specialists. And he said, it is setting up like a grape. <laughs> to be picked. To be picked. We, they couldn't even get to it before. And he said, I'm going to go right back in there, and this is what I'm going to do. In about 30 minutes, I'm going to come back. So I called Kenneth Copeland, and I told him. I said, the tumor is not where they saw it on the MRI I that mean, morning. hours before. I said it had moved, and they really weren't going to have to open her up as far as they, they started they down were here. They it. were looking for it. <laughs> it moved. <laughs> and this is what he said. He said, you give me another 24 hours, another I'll get that clean hours. out of her. When they, you wouldn't even have to have surgery have sur if you give me another 24 hours. So what had happened was that which was trying to live in her could, could not. not stay, and it began to move to come out of her because he rebuked the devourer. And it's the same thing as try to live on you in your mind. You cannot live on your mind. Oppression and depression cannot live on your mind. Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, when they talk about dementia, you do not have, you have the mind of Christ. They say the hardening of the arteries. You don't have hardening of the arteries. Jesus did not die from hardening of the arteries. He took your hardening of the arteries on. He died of a broken heart. But the hardening of the arteries did not affect his mind because he said to the others, today we will be in glory together. Jesus did not die poor. Because at the cross, he turned and he said, this is your mother, this is your son. He made provision for his mother right there at the cross. You don't have to depend on Social Security and die broken, busted. 
because Jesus did not die broken busted. So we speak life back into your body. Speak to the cells in your blood. Life is in the blood for you to be healed. For cancer to go. Blood disease for livers to function normally. For your spleen to operate the way it was designed. For your platelet count to come back up. For your spine the nerve endings in your spine, the very sinew of the bones that are in there that they've said have deteriorated past any help. That that thin pad that was there created by God be reformed in your spine and you to be out of pain and to be made whole. For your eyes, for cataracts to fall off, glaucoma, there's no pressure in your eyes. For the pressure in your eyes to be back to normal. For the Bible says, when the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, he became a new creature. May your youth be renewed. We thank you for it, Father. For the stomach, for your digestive tract. Those that have pockets in your colon and that, that uh, they've restricted your diet for you to be made whole. For your nerves to be calm. Thank you for it, Father. And we thank you for those that have a doctor's appointment this week. We say no fear. And I thank you for the doctor. I thank you for his wisdom. I thank you for the medicine. I thank you for his skill. I thank you for his hands. I thank you for his mind. I thank you for his knowledge. But I thank you for the great physician. We thank you, Lord, for peace to come over you when you walk in that room, that you'll not fear. And we speak to fear, which is diametrically opposed to faith. And we bind you. We bind you. And we cast it off of you. tried to live in you or live on you or live around you have no place near you in Jesus name Jesus. we prayed for Cheryl for the cancer not to live in her tried to hit her the first time and the second time it came back and said cannot live in her 
And then the next thing you know, years later, tried to get on her face, cancer on her face. And we learned to pray, can't live in her, then we can't live on her. And then we've learned that it can't be around her. And that meant around her family. pray over your family right now. We pray for your loved ones because the Bible says the Holy Spirit was given for this generation and your generations to come. We call them in from the north, the south, the east, and the west. And Father, when those who are changed this weekend go back and they see the power of God, that they will come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ for the scripture in Acts says and they added to the kingdom daily because of the move of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit we call your family whole healed and delivered from the snare of the enemy Jesus' name.